Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another show where tonight we're going to be starting off with an extra time show where we're going to look back on our hard-fought 1-0 win at Norwich City, and I'll be joined for that by Terry and Owen Parks, then I'll be joined by Max Carlisle to run the rule over Morgan Schneiderlin's departure from Everton last week, and then Terry will be joining me for the final segment to look ahead to our fixture back at Goodison against Leicester City on Wednesday in another match preview segment. As you know, the segments will be separate videos on YouTube, so I'll introduce them respectively as we move through the podcast. So without further ado, we'll crack on and introduce all the viewers on YouTube. So get straight into it with that win at Norwich. Welcome to the Extra Time Show for Norwich City nil, Everton 1. Everton get their first win of the resume Premier League campaign and make it four points out of six in the first two games. So it's not a bad start, is it? I mean, it wasn't the best performance, but we'll get on to that. We'll dissect the game bit by bit, and it's not always going to be pretty, I don't think. Terry, what did you make of the performance? It was a game of two halves, really, wasn't it? It wasn't the best game overall anyway, but Everton was certainly you know, much improved in the second half uh, than they were in the first. In the first, you know, I think... People, you know, feared, you know, the worst because just look lethargic, look sluggish, look slow to everything. You know, the players weren't having good games. Then in the second half, Ancelotti made like a, you know, a crucial change. Like he obviously took Tom Davis off, who I'm sure we'll touch on, but it was more the... Hang on, whoa, hang on. Is Terry about to praise Guilty Sigurdsson? Mm, maybe. Possibly now. Um, it was more the, the change of sort of, methodology I suppose where it frees up some of the players in different positions with the change of personnel and then obviously we started to control the game a lot more in the second half we still were greater you know game management towards the end but you know three points is three points isn't it let's be and honest yeah, I think that when, when this Premier League was resumed the only thing I was bothered about really was let's do something so we're not in the bottom half because I think it's a disgrace for us to be in the bottom half given the ambitions well, I, of the club. I was worried, genuinely worried, given our away form before the restart, you know, what we'd been like. Even with Ancelotti coming in, I didn't think, you know, I, I was worried that we might do a Schalke where we would just come back yeah. and we're just terrible because we need our supporters. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, that's it, that were brilliant and we won't lose any games. But the fact that we've got four points from the first two, regardless of how we've got them, is better than what Schalke have done, I think. So, yeah, it teased me worries a little bit that we're not going to be this disaster um, for the rest of this season without supporters. This game obviously wasn't our best. I think you could see the two days less preparation that we had uh, was in a lot of the players. Um, so if they were having bad games, it was exacerbated by that anyway. Uh, but now we've got a week basically to prepare for the next game. And, and there'll be other games where we're tired from the previous game and we haven't had much rest, but just how you manage that, and it's how it's what big clubs do, and we need to get used to uh, managing things like that. These repetitive games they're playing every three days, certainly. And um, of course, we'll touch on a few of the individual performances. Owen, what did you make of um, the sort of individual displays who sort of stood out for you? In a positive light, um, 
Awobi and Michael Keane. Um, I thought Awobi in particular was really, really good. He didn't have the best first half, but it was more to do with the whole, like what Terry said at half time, that sort of methodology changed. And then the first half, he was sort of sticking to that role in a way he was in Derby, where he'd become like a wing back and just look to break on them. Whereas in the second half, I think Ancelotti's told him to tuck in a bit more, play a bit further up and cause Norwich some issues. Defensively still, but we'll be pressing up. We were fine. It was more to do with the fact that we needed to get someone up the pitch to get the foot on the ball. In a negative sense, them two in midfield are horrific. I don't know how yeah. many times I've got to say it, but the pair of them, they don't know what they don't know what they're doing in there. They do, they lose the ball. They they make stupid decisions. There's always a run on with the front two, and they make a short pass that. I'm sick and tired of the pair of them, to be honest. I know, I understand that you're not a fan of either of those individuals. I know who you're referring to is Tom Davis and Andre Gomez. Yeah. Yeah, and I know know there's a a lot of defensive Andre Gomez. I know he has come back from a long injury, but he, he was pretty poor. I thought he did improve in the second half. But after... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. There wasn't much to improve on, to be fair. You know, he didn't have to do much to improve in the second half. He was that bad in the first half. If he got took off instead of Davis, no one could have complained because they were both equally as terrible. Yeah, they were both atrocious. But uh, let's talk about Tom Davis because he played very well in the derby and Mm -hmm. then comes into this. And like like you say, there wasn't a lot of uh, rest and recovery time, but... My God, he looked like a liability, didn't he, in that first half? He was, he was both Um the, the, air, it, the air kick from the keeper's punch is the highlight of it for me. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't just the sort of that he couldn't get into the game kind of bad performance. He was just making terrible decisions on the ball. Instead, I don't know how many times he just... It's something stupid in his own half. When yeah, the ball he, he was... lost the ball on the halfway line a good few times, didn't he? And, I, and every time that on Hernandez was breaking away with it and causing us problems down our right. It was uh, as bad as his performance away at Chelsea a couple of months ago. Two really horrific performances. If he plays a simple game, he's probably fine in there. It's just he tries to overcomplicate everything. Things that are just much beyond what he's good at. He's not a very good player, so stick to what you're good at. And dare I say, when Gilfie Sigurdsson comes on, we looked a lot more composed on the ball. And Teddy's yeah. not going to like this, I don't think. I thought Sigurdsson was pretty good yesterday. It suits him. It's the experience. Just keep it slow. You know, nothing cheap in that. Well, he's not, exactly, again, he's not exactly fast, so we haven't got much of a choice there, have we? He's, he's not much better, like, but neither has Bernard, by the way, on the left. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it wasn't a great showing from Bernardi that he didn't really get into the game, did he? I think when you talk about him not getting into the game performance, that was definitely something Bernardi was guilty of. It's tough coming back two games in three days, especially when the weather turns like this. Just getting four points, I'll take it, but that midfield needs some serious questions. Yeah, there's a lot to be done with the midfield, that's for sure. I thought... On a more positive note, though, I thought the defence was pretty solid. Like, they did trouble us a few times in the first half, and we didn't wilt, I thought. The centre-backs in particular were good. Michael Keane, of course, got a goal, and 
Mason Holgate as well looks really comfortable on the ball and continues to grow as a player. Mason yeah. Holgate, amazing now, isn't he? Like he's 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 such a different like player to what we saw before this season. Like he, I was worried that um, when he came back, maybe you know it might. It, might see that it was maybe a bit of a purple patch, or so you know. I was, to be honest, that's the pessimism of every Evertonian to think that you're gonna, you, oh, we're gonna come back and Calvert Lewin can't score anymore, or Holgate suddenly can't defend. But he's been great since he came back. I mean, the whole back four has, but Holgate, I know he didn't, I think he was only edged out for one of the match because Keane got the goal because they were all great. But Holgate, these past two games, has been fantastic. Absolutely, and I think you spoke about Calvert-Lewin there as well. I thought he'd done really well yesterday. I thought, considering the four midfielders and Richarlison, I thought, were all a bit off-colour. I thought Calvert-Lewin did really well when he was pretty much carrying everything up front. He was holding the ball up well. and I mean, not much of it came of anything because of the other players underperforming, but I thought he led the line well. Yeah, yeah I mean, good. I know, say he works very hard, but he always works hard. It's it's tough when there's not many players getting in and around him because that's when he's at his best when he can flick stuff on or find some space for himself. It wasn't that available yesterday, but I thought he did very well in terms of keeping the, leading the line and. Yeah, he t- he certainly did, and Richarlison as well. I thought he was a little bit uh, off the pace. Yesterday, I didn't see he didn't see much room. He came off for Moise Keane, and uh, about Moise Keane, <laughs> how many people had the heart in their mouths when he tried to take on that, that Norwich player in, his, in our own box? Oh, mate, he was th- he was in the corner of his own box with three Norwich players ahead of him, and instead of just shooing it up the line, he, he tried to take them on and loses it. And oh, he, he wasn't great. He wasn't great. That was that was the standout moment. But he he was. Um, he wasn't great either. Like I'm, I'm a big defender of Moyes Keane, and I, I, you know, still think it's very early days. I think you know, Calvert Lewin there is a perfect example. You can't just write off a player because he doesn't look right at first. But then on the other hand, you can't just write off every bad thing he does because that doesn't help either. But he was terrible. He, he came was, on. He, he was booked twenty seconds into his cameo appearance because he snapped someone. Yeah, he tried to do a back heel and never come off. And then he's you know trying to get the ball back, it's booked with it like within seconds. And I don't know, he looks he looked knackered the second he came up. I think you've seen this with him before when he got hooked against Man United, and obviously that was quite controversial. But he was blown out of his arse when he did that when he got hooked at when he came on and then got hooked by Duncan Ferguson, he was looking quite unfit then. And I know everybody's a bit unfit, but is there a bit of a deeper fitness problem with Moyes Keane? Owen? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, sorry, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it may be, obviously he hasn't looked fit in the past, as you say, but fitness-wise, I'm not going to judge any player with these restarted games because it's like playing a Premier League game as soon as, you know, you come back off holiday in the summer. Like, there's no pre-season. So, all right, well, you say, well, Moise Keane looks tight, looks knackered, whatever, you know, even when he is in the middle of a season. But you don't, you just don't know what the different, you know, fitness levels are of players. I'm not going to slate him for looking unfit. I'm going to slate him for the stupid decisions he made. He made it, was, which... it was very much a decision-making issue on a number of occasions. In that, in, He was only on for about 20 minutes, wasn't he? But he... 
he certainly made a couple of bad decisions. I think the the one on the edge of his own box stands out. But I remember one where he could have made a run for Calvert Lewin through the middle, and he ran wide, and Calvert Lewin had to shoot in the end, and it was the kind of Peter Dalton. I think that's the thing we need to get. I think Calvert Lewin and Richarlison on a good day are always seem to be on the same page, and Moise Keane needs to start doing that if he wants to break into the first team well, on a more regular basis. Moise Keane needs to, I know, it, as I say, it is early days, but he needs to be grasping these opportunities. Like, all right, he's coming on for 20 minutes. Is that a big opportunity? But you know when Richarlison's not having a good game and he comes off, that's how you're going to get in the team if you can perform when the other players are having rare off days. If you know, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are our two most consistent best players, if you if you come on for one of them, with a, you know, with, not like the other day where it was you know, two, 30 seconds and you're off, but if you come on and get like a crack, you need to. You don't have to score, but you need to be doing better than he did, because you're never going to get in the team if you're if you come on and you're no better than a player who's off form himself. That, that, that's a, the, a massive, a really good point actually. What you've just made there, because that's what he's got to do to to not one of those players out. You've got to actually be showing an improvement, which a substitution supposed to bring that anyway. When you take somebody off, you're hoping somebody else can come on and make an improvement to the way things are going and if he isn't doing that then he's never going to he's like that he's never going to stake a claim for a first team place is he no and another thing I really had an issue was the same with Tom Davis like like what Terry said it wasn't we can have a go at place and not being fit but it's longer than a normal season break from May to August plus not having a pre-season, so I can't really judge that, but it was the decision-making. It was that 20 minutes felt like two hours Watch just watching him play. It was so tough because, again, just do the simple things well. If you're not up to speed, just get the ball out of your feet. Just do the simple things well. You've, just don't overcomplicate. That's, that's become quite a cliche, I think, with commentators, hasn't it, since this season's resumed and during this period where everyone looks a bit off the pace fitness-wise. They've all been saying that, don't take too many risks. And clearly Moise Keane didn't get the memo. No, he didn't. He was, I, don't, I really don't know what to think of him anymore because I look at him and I just don't think he's up to the speed of the team or anything. He's had Carlo since December now and he still doesn't look up, up to speed. Plus the stuff that was happening in lockdown, which I don't think you can really judge, just doesn't seem to. His detractors will look at that and say, "I told you so." It's there's tough. Sticks, for him. There's a lot of sticks to beat him with, isn't there? Yeah, it's tough for him. But uh, I guess it's been tailor made for him, really, because Norwich against Southampton, they did exactly what they did against us. Um, they had like a decent half hour in a spell of the game. And then started to really blow, blow up their asses to seconds, you know, in the late in the second half. And that's, you know, other than the odd chance when they brought their better players on, um, which God knows why they were resting them, by the way, for, you know, the FA Cup. But when they brought their better players on, you know, they got, you know, started to get a couple more chances. But the team as a whole were absolutely knackered towards the end of the game, Norwich. And that's where Moise Keane should have been, you know, he should have been Something like rubbing it together, he? yeah. Go, well, I'm going to come on and I'm fast and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, like, if he makes that run for Calvert-Lewin, he might get a goal, you know what I mean? It's just, he just was badly off it, but a lot of players were badly off it and it's 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 not just him, you know what I mean? It's I'm not saying it's okay for him, but 
it was. I'm glad we won because we there'd be a different show if if we had not won yesterday when it was on a plate for us. Three points. Oh, three you, points. You never at the end of it, would you? And I mean, do you know what Frank's done well since the restart? By the way, just bringing up John Pickford. I think he's looked a lot more calm yeah. and composed than he did beforehand. Yeah, that, that's it. That's been really good to see. Actually, there hasn't been as much as the pulling stupid faces and no. stuff after he breaks a save, which is. You know, that's the kind of maturity you want to see. You want to see him becoming more mature. And as as a, as a goalkeeper, you do need to lead by example sometimes and it helps organise your defence. And maybe that's testament to, like, his performances, why we've kept two clean sheets on the bounce. Yeah, you know, he's done, especially when you look at Dean Anderson's and Nick Pope's performances over the last couple of days. He's really done much better than them. It's like turning it around a bit, but we'll see. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of clamour for him to be axed from England's number one, but you know we'll just see how he gets on. I think it's it's a good start to the resumption of the Premier League for Pickford and for most of Everton, to be honest. I think most of the players have equipped themselves pretty well, given the circumstances. Just one more thing before we finish, though. I think the one thing that concerned me, and it's Strange because we haven't seen too much of it under Ancelotti apart from maybe that, uh, the less we say about that, the better that Newcastle game was the game management at the end. I thought some of the decisions were a bit bizarre. I remember Luca Dean picking the ball up on the left, and I think Calvert Lewin was making a run towards the corner flag and he pings it into Moyes Keane and we lose the ball. I'm, like, I'm just thinking, yeah. this was like with a minute and a half of added time left, and I'm just thinking, just get in the corner and get the win. You know, it was. Those kinds of decisions, I remember it was Lucas Dean who was messing around by our own corner flag, which led to the corner, which led to Newcastle's first goal, which led to Newcastle's second goal. And I'm just thinking, you know, just make, be, be a bit more professional about it. Just see the game out and get get the job done. It's, and I'm, I'm sure Carl Ancelotti will be telling players that with the, the nouse that he has and the experience that he's had over the years. But I, I don't know, that maybe be a bit harsh, but I just th- think it's a bit of a pet peeve for me when you're only a goal to the goal and the other team is trying to put pressure on you and there's a, a minute to go and you've got a chance to put it in the corner flag, see see the game out comfortably. And then instead you give the ball away and, you know, make fans like me bite my nails for another minute. So, you know, yeah, I, it's, 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 it's a bit harsh maybe, but it's just something that uh, me a little bit, especially from the days of Martinez. I understand what you're saying because that did annoy me. It goes back to what I was on about before with Moise Keane and before that Davis and Luke it's Dean. Game, it's game, it's game decision management. Yeah, it's just decision making. It's any normal average Sunday league footballer would have just hoofed it to the corner and kept it there. But I don't know why we think we're better than that at times. But I think it's important to be positive though because there is four points in two games after not playing for three months and especially people don't really talk about it but when the weather turns like this it can be difficult but it shouldn't take away from basic decision making that's a, it's a good way of summing it up to be honest because it, I think you can't really point the finger at fitness but you know sometimes it's the brain and you've just got to see who's got the intelligence to make the right decisions and I think we're starting to become more aware of who's got a better football brain in this side than some others, maybe. Hopefully, it comes with time. Like it has improved a little bit since the silver days when it was awful. 
You know, yeah, we definitely. regularly regularly lose games in the last minute, and it's it's very early days. You can't suddenly turn around after what 12, 13 games and say, "Oh, Carlo Ancelotti's fixed that." But it it is marginally better. You know, like the the game management is one of the bigger reasons why we can't win away from home. But this was an away win, albeit under you know strange circumstances. But that is his biggest challenge, I think. Is not even getting. He's got good players. It's, I don't think it's as big a job to improve the quality of Everton as it is to improve the game management. And it's, it's, it's the mental side of things with Everton. And I think, like I was saying, yeah. that, that issue with game management goes back to Roberto Martinez, maybe even to David Moyes, because he, he was a bit too negative, I think, maybe trying to see games off. But Martinez, I remember the amount of times we were a goal up and we threw it away after settle for a draw. I mean, the, the, the Chelsea game, the 3 all, the Bournemouth 3 all. the... I'm pretty traumatised by his final season and the amount of wins we threw away by not managing the game properly. It was infuriating and I don't think I'll ever get over the sort of PTSD that I've got off Martinez's final season. So, every time I see a player run towards the corner flag in the last minute and I'm saying, get it in the woman corner flag because, you know, I just can't handle another Chelsea or another Bournemouth or dare to say another Newcastle from this season. You know, just be professional about it and get the job done and stop making those fans like panic. There's just no need. Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. Uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll finish on a more positive note, shall we? I mean, it, like like Owen said, it's four points out of six. I don't think I was coming back into this resumed season with a lot of trepidation. I think, Teddy, I think you were, you guys were both on the show when I was saying I was worried about the players' motivation and how we perform without fans. And I was concerned about our prospects. And to get four out of six is it's a good start, it's, especially considering we played the top team, got a point and then Obviously, it wasn't the best performance against the bottom team, but we get the win. And that that's not bad at all. We can definitely kick on from here. We've got a bigger break than Leicester City have before we play them so hopefully that might give us a bit of a boost going into that but it's not going to be an easy game anyway Leicester but we're going to have to step it up from what we saw yesterday but I think we're going to be all, we, we, we're going to be alright this se- for the rest of the season I don't think we're not going to win every game obviously but it's going to be better than I thought anyway it's, at least I'm calming down a little bit after seen us finally get a win I think that's the you look like we can keep, keep a clean sheet so yeah that, that's, 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 a, that's, a ma- that's a massive thing and I think Carlo Ancelotti will have been working very hard on that wouldn't he uh, during the mini pre-season whatever it was when they were trying to resume this I think our defence has been so much better since we came back considering the last game we played before it was a 4-0 defeat so I think it's it's a step in the right direction and Hopefully, we can keep kicking on. We've got Leicester next, and we will need to see an improvement, but let's just enjoy the win, shall we? I mean, we've waited four months for one, so yeah, let's enjoy that. I'm joined by Max right now, and we're going to discuss the news that broke yesterday, of course, that Morgan Schneiderland has left Everton Football Club. He's gone to OGC Nice. He's I think it's around a €2 million Euro transfer fee. But, of course, on top of that, you've got a lot of wages going off the wage bill. There's a lot to debate. And uh, we've, got to, we've got to try and see what where this leaves us now. 
in terms of midfield. What what do we do next? And what and basically what we thought of Morgan Schneider in his three and a half years at Everton. So we'll we'll, we'll get straight into it, Max. What what was your opinion on Schneiderland's three and a half year stint at Goodison? Firstly, yes, I know I know the the transfer was labelled as undisclosed, but I don't think it's as lowly as two million pounds. I've heard around seven, but at the same time. You don't know what percentage of that is add-ons and certain clauses within his contract. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. It's certainly, I think, the main thing to derive from this transfer is the fact that we are getting a good piece of the wage bill sort of lifted. That makes sense. Well, 120k, I think. Yeah, up, upwards of 100k a week. And to answer your question, in what I thought of Morgan Schneiderlin, I think. Um, the man that pulls the strings got me on here on purpose to sort of defend Morgan Schneiderlin because I think it, anyone sort of followed me and my opinions over the last couple of years. I was a really big fan of Morgan Schneiderlin and like we were saying just before we started recording, I think that there's an, an excellent argument there for Morgan Schneiderlin as an individual that he's had a really successful career in England. I think he joined when he was an 18-year-old lad to them. Um, Southampton, who were in League One at the time under Nigel Atkins, and he was part of a very talented crop of Southampton players that managed to get up into the the Premier League. You know, you think of the the, the players that he was alongside there. You know, Adam Lallana, Wanyama, Mane, Graziano Pele. All of them have gone their their separate ways, of course, uh, which tends to be the case when you have a. Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful to Southampton in any way, but a but a lesser club that have a. I mean, They're definitely a selling club. They've always yeah. seemed to try and profit off the best players. Yeah, 100%. And when you seem to get that sort of mass group of talent, they all seem to go their separate ways. I know a hell of a lot of them seem to end up across Stanley Park at Liverpool, but Schneiderlin's obviously chose to go to Manchester United. I would make the case that I don't think Manchester United's been the best club for any player to go to for the last five years or so, really. Um but from Schneiderlin's perspective, you know, he can put, he can put forward that he won a, a treble. I remember Jose Mourinho tried to label it as a treble at the time. Like the Charity Shield, the Europa and the FA Cup or something? I think it was the League Cup, the Europa League and the FA Cup. Um, oh, no, it was the League Cup, Europa and the Charity Shield. Was it? <laughs> yeah, they didn't even win the FA Cup. Hardly. Didn't they, didn't they win it against Crystal Palace? That was under Van Gaal. Oh, That's was, right after that. Yeah, so, you know, he has still accumulated quite a, a decent trophy haul at Manchester United. Um, and I think at Manchester United, that's where a bit of the shine of his career got taken off, really, if that makes sense. I think when he was at Southampton, he, he was lauded really highly as, the, you know, a, a really intelligent defensive midfielder that covers a lot of ground without you necessarily knowing it. I think he positionally, he was excellent. He knew where to be, when to be, to, to mop that ball up. Um, obviously played a bit under Ronald Koeman, which was the attraction of when he came to, to us, in, I believe, 2017. Yeah, January 17. Um, and for me, mate, when he was playing alongside Andrew Gay in that first season, I thought he was absolutely dynamite. Uh, I thought that... I think we all did. Yeah. The, the the relationship that they developed on the pitch was really symbiotic um, and was obviously influential in us getting, albeit Europa League qualifiers, but getting ourselves back into Europe. And 
I feel that's where uh, that's where things that's where goes wrong from there. That's where things start going downhill, and and people like you and your opinions start coming into this. Yeah, well, I think that was probably the first evidence. I think he played in the Atalanta game where we lost three 0 and that was like when I first started to lose faith in Ronald Koeman. But uh, obviously, I think Schneidel, and I think the tide turned on him when there was these rumours about Jordan Unsworth's caretaker spell where he got sent home from training. And obviously, between between then, I think he got sent off against Leon in Europe as well. I think there was a couple of... And, and I a stinker he put in against Burnley as well when we lost 1-0 towards the end of Koeman's time. So there was a lot of... Uh, bad performances in that sort of spell. I know we weren't at our best anyway, but he did seem to stand out for some reason as the worst performer, maybe because he took such a step down from the level that, like you say, you saw what we all saw in that first half of season. But it was very disappointing, and I think he was getting a lot of red cards, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> which never ends easier to fans. If you, like, I mean, well, Duncan Ferguson got loads of red cards, but it was a bit different. He, he was getting silly red cards for like mm. kicking out. Sometimes it, I, I said this to Terry often. I, I felt like at times when the going got tough, he tried to get himself sent off on purpose because he didn't yeah. have the stomach for the fight. And I was convinced about that. As, you know, especially, yeah. that especially that Crystal Palace game at the opening game of this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Someone was um, <clears throat> someone was pretty sharp with the stats for when the, uh, the deal was announced saying Morgan Schneiderlin got more red cards than he got combined goals and assists at Everton. I think he got three red cards and two goals and assists put together. But for me, I think the, the standout performance was, I believe it was in Mangala's debut when we played three at the back at Arsenal away. Um, oh. I'd, if, I'm, if I'm not wrong, am I thinking of that of the 6-1? 5-1. 5-1 one. And yeah, he was just kind of absent in the midfield, really. I don't know whether, whether that sort of systematically and tactically that was down to being in a three in the back, being managed by, of course, at the time, Big Sam. But yeah, for me, that, that sort of set the tone, which I think Evertonians are a, a unique group of football fans in that regardless of your technical ability, the bare minimum is that you put 100% effort in all the time Absolutely. when you're on the pitch. And I stand by that. I think uh, most people have every right to do so. But at the same time, I think Schneiderland's game is that of which depends on interpreting the, the game ahead of time, if that makes sense, as I say, being in the right place at the right time and you know, putting in that vital interception, putting in that tackle and progressing the ball forward. Um, he never seemed to do any of that for Everton, though, in the final few years. It was always seemed to be a bit off the pace, like we saw the Cantwell goal for Norwich in the last Norwich game, and he didn't track his run. And obviously, when he does get the ball, a lot of the time it was backwards and sideways passes. It was exactly what you're saying was his forte, if you like, particularly in his Southampton days. We didn't see anywhere near enough of that in his time at Everton. Mm, 100%. I mean, I see... I think we saw the the odd resurgence from the likes of Marco Silver and whatnot, but nothing was was really sustainable. And I know I, I remember Kevin uh, that he, he ran through some sort of bad personal personal sort of situations at the time, and 
you know, I'm not discounting that by any means, but I do kind of endorse his transfer now, if that makes sense. As I say, I, I believe he can look back at his career in England and think, you know what, might not, might not have ended on the sweetest note, but I've had success. Uh, I'm 30 years of age now, and I'm going back to my homeland, going back to France to play under Patrick Vieira. Of course, yeah. I think that that's part of the pull. And for God's sake, me niece, you know, there's, there's worse places in the world to play your football. You, you can't really argue with that. But from you know, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a hot walk in Nice, though. <laughs> but at the same time, as, as as you rightly said at the start of the video, that for Everton Football Club now, fingers crossed and touch wood, we're on the the latter stage of of our transitional phase, if that makes sense. If that you makes get sense. starting to shift more and more of the dead wood, if you like, or not, maybe not even dead wood, but players who were taking up more of a wage than they warranted. Mm-hmm. People like Schneiderlin, for instance, obviously there is dead wood, like Martina and Niasu are out of contract this summer as well. Martin Stecklenberg has announced, I think he's extended his contract to the end of the season, <laughs> but he's going to Ajax, isn't he? Yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose you know, given the, the global pandemic and whatnot, you are going to see some sort of unique contract situations. But that's a bit of a mad one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I think I'm not even sure. Was even the oh no, we, we had two keepers on the bench in the derby, didn't we? That was yeah. interesting. <laughs> no, I think I think that's the death knell for Umani. Yes, if you can't get on the bench, it had the two keepers. We'll see you, mate. We'll see you. Fingers crossed. The uh, more businesses to come. Yeah, I mean, I think it's business in both directions. I think, I think it's going to be more of a sale summer than a uh, incoming summer. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's all about that balance sheet, isn't it? When I think you know we've got to try and toe the line with FFP, but it's sort of treading quite dangerously mm-hmm. to get some of those wages. And I think this is a really good start, and hopefully we see more of this between now and the start of the new season, whenever that may be. Mm-hmm, 100%. Well, just be- before we finish, Schneiderlin, what, what, do you say, what do you think his legacy is at Everton? Red cards and not looking asked, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It is It, it is a shame, as I say. A player that did have massive potential to be a cog in, in a well-oiled machine, and unfortunately... The machine wasn't well oiled. It was was broken and he was the part that was making it faulty at times. But, as I say, that's not to to be disrespectful to to Morgan Schneider. I I think he can look back on his career in England with some fondness. I think he can do, yes, certainly. I think his time at Everton, though, has got to be one of those. Came in a lot of promise, big money, didn't really deliver. And that's sums it up and uh, too often it's summed Everton up over the time that he's been here as well so maybe almost fitting and maybe it's a symbolic moment that we move him on at a time where hopefully we're starting to get our act together yep fingers, fingers crossed for a better season we'll have some more astute signings in the not so distant future you'd like to think so I'd also like to think that we'd have a, a new stadium in a couple of years but you know uh, <laughs> it's not the not the morning I want to wake up to. In case in case you're wondering, definitely uh, don't go on Twitter this morning, guys. You don't want to see what's going down there. But anyway, that's the Morgan Schneiderlin debate of sorts. 
let us know what you thought of Schneiderlin's spell at Everton. Three and a half years. What did he do right? What did he do wrong? We know there's plenty he did wrong, but let us know your opinions on Morgan Schneiderlin and what the transfer means for Everton moving forward, maybe with the transfers and the FFP. Now we're moving on to looking at the Leicester game in our match preview. Of course, I'm joined by Terry McAllister. We'll get straight into it, Terry. How do you feel going into the Leicester game? Obviously, we've just won our last game. Are you feeling confident for this? I feel okay. Um, it's hard, even even after the two games we've had, it's very hard to like gauge with these restarted games because you've seen like teams play really well and then the next game they don't play well. And with Leicester, they've got some really good players, and you know, under under normal circumstances, they're going to give us some trouble because they've got that one thing that we struggle with up top. We they've got that one thing we struggle with, which is pace up top. Sorry, so, but we the defence across the two games we've played so far has been really really good. So I am more confident than I typically would have been because, although in across the two games, you know. The midfielders, the forwards had like you know varying levels of performance. You know, because some games they were good, some games they were bad. The defence for both games has been really strong, so I am feeling quite good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit here and go, yeah, we'll beat them, you know, because they're a very good team. But I'm feeling better than I probably would have under the, you know, the old rules, the or normal circumstances. They were coming to Goodison, and you know, there'd been no, you know, month, you know, three month break or what have you. So yeah, pretty confident, but not overconfident. If you yeah, of course, Leicester have drawn both of their games since the resumption. I think they drew with Brighton nil-nil and one all with Watford, which doesn't scream good form. But you know, who, who else do you want to play when you're trying to like turn around your bad form? So you know, it's 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 exactly. odds law, isn't it, with Everton? And I mean, it is worth noting though that we obviously we're recording this on Sunday and. As we speak, Leicester are about to go into a FA Cup quarter-final against Chelsea, which is, again, not an easy game by any means. Uh, and obviously, the, this game is on Wednesday, which is a whole week after our Wednesday game against Norwich. We've had a week-long break, which is very rare in this resum- resumption sort of period. So, could that sort of work to our advantage, maybe having that extra rest? Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Like on paper, you know, that should be a massive advantage because you could see against uh, Norwich in our last game that the the extra two days rest that Norwich had really, really had an impact. Now Norwich obviously lacking quality didn't really take advantage of that, but the Everton team after you know putting in such a shift against Liverpool, um, we did look off the pace, didn't we? we looked really tired, didn't we? Um, and you'd you you'd hope that Leicester would you know have a little bit little bit of that themselves. Like we obviously don't know what type of team they're going to put out against Chelsea, but with a full week of you know training after the games have started and after the season restarted, you'd hope that this week would be quite important for our games going forward because you know the management team can get into the players. We get some players returning from fitness, returning to fitness. Sorry, so you know Carlo Ancelotti's mentioned Yeri Mina. He's mentioned Sadibe. Hasn't mentioned Delf, which you know, no Delf's not popular with everyone. Certainly not myself. But considering how poor the centre midfield in general was against Norwich, you'd like as many options to be available there as possible, uh, especially with so many games you know coming up back to back. But I think um, 
this could be a game where we possibly see Sadibe come in. I wouldn't be surprised if we brought Sadibe in on the right hand side and put a Wobi left in his in his favourite position because out of you know Gordon, Bernard and Awobi, Awobi's impressed the most since he came back into the team. Definitely, yeah. That Norwich second half, everyone else has sort of been midland to okay. Yeah, I, I think Awobi deserves a chance to play in that left wing role because it suits him to cut in, I think, and play the way Bernard maybe plays and sort of sneak into that number 10 position. And, you know, he might be able to cause less than a few problems if we do that right. Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because if, you know, Carlo likes, you know, seemingly likes to play that 4 4 2, that sort of shifts to a 3 4 3. Um, and that would work if you had someone more naturally, you know, why you know comfortable on the wide race? Now I know Sadibe's a right back, but he presses so high that he you know he's he's obviously quite comfortable on right midfield with Coleman behind him, and that allows Coleman to just stay in that sort of like you know right centre back position, and then that suits Awobi because Awobi can cut inside and come in and you know do a bit of his better you know his better work with Luca Dean on his outside. So I mean, it all depends on fitness. We could get you know. To the next Leicester game, and you know, Wobie's you know not as fit as Bernard or what have you, or Gordon. He wants to give Gordon a better chance, but it's nice to have some better options. And you know, you just hope that you know Leicester aren't as you know fit and fresh as as we will be on the day. Because I think that I think the fitness of teams will be a massive just aside in a lot of games. I think we're going to get. We haven't had it yet because everyone's just coming back. But I think as the games go on, we'll start to see more and more shock results just because of the sizes of teams, the general fitness of players, I think that'll start taking a toll when the games start piling up. Are you sure that'll be more of a, a shock thing or maybe more going according to the form book, considering the bigger teams do have bigger squads to rotate? I mean, yeah, it could go that way. But I, I you know, as you saw in Germany, there it was a lot of away victories, which is not normal because the lack of fans... It might not even be a squad size thing. You know, it could be that you know some of the smaller squads, because they only they play, that they build up their fitness quicker. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but you know, it could be that you know the fitness in the smaller squads builds up, builds up, and builds up, and then they're a lot. You know, they're a lot fresher than the teams who rotate because if you you've got a player who's got two or three games, four games under his belt, and then you've got another player who's only got one, he's coming in for his second one. It could be that he's badly off the pace. We don't know. It's 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 a different competition. This is like a Premier League mini tournament. After what is effectively, you know, three months is longer than the players are usually, you know, usually off. off like yeah. the players, the off season at least, you know, they come back and they have a pre-season. We've come back and we started a Premier League mini tournament with relegation on the line and title and you know Champions League and what have you, but no pre-season. We got about two weeks of like light training, social distance, and then went right you're back in the Premier League now. So. It's. I think more injuries will happen and more like quirks of form will come up. So we we just don't know. Obviously, our injury record even without lockdown wasn't fantastic. It's we we do have to tread pretty carefully when it comes to injuries because we've never had much luck in that department. I don't think. Thankfully, it's we've come out of the first two games unscathed. Uh, and the week's rest might just be enough to stop one happening in the Leicester game, or oh, you never know. Uh, injuries permitting, what sort of team could we be looking at, do you think? 
you mentioned a few of them there. Maybe Sadibi comes back in a Wobi in that inverted left wing. I don't know. I mean, if everyone's fit and healthy, then Sadibi for Bernard put a Wobi on the left. Probably the only one because the back five played so well. You, I wouldn't change that. Yeah, I mean, he can go onto the bench and wait for his chance because you know Michael Keane. Don't think Michael Keane would have started yeah, alongside Holgate with everyone being fit, but he was fantastic. The no, first he, hasn't, he hasn't put a foot wrong, has he? So we've got to keep no. him in. Uh, no, he's good. So, you know, Holgate's turned into the top defender at the club inside this, you know, one season, which is, you know, brilliant. He, he's, he's, you know, he's a beast at the minute. So obviously he stays there. So, I mean, if Delft's fit, could possibly see him coming in for Davies. I mean, I could. I, this may be a mistake, but I could even see Sigurdsson starting for Davies, considering Sigurdsson performs a lot better than Davies in the um, Norwich second half. But I think it, with Leicester's midfielders, that might be a mistake. Uh, is Andre so, Gomez's place in the team safe? He's, he didn't play well himself against Norwich. Yeah, I think it is because Davies was worse. Like you know, Gomez was awful, but he was better than Davies. So I, I think and plus is. Baseline, you know, is better than Davies. And, you know, he, you know, Gomez doesn't lose the ball quite as often as Davies does. Oh, that, so that, that's it. Yeah, I think I think they'd both be in trouble if we had other decent midfielders. But when you when you're sweating on Fabian Zells to come back to fitness and Guilfi Sigurdsson to come in, I think you know you you're as safe as you're going to be. Ominous. I think Gomez, that's, that's so ominous, isn't it? Yeah, I think Gomez is one of those players in this team who, if he's fit, he plays, and you know. That's just a fact, you know. Like it's not, it's not good for the competition of the squad. But if he's fit, I couldn't see, you know, Gomez being on the bench, fully fit with, you know, Sigurdsson and Davy starting centre midfield. Imagine the meltdown if that came out. Oh my god! No, I think yeah. he's a uh, he's on to start. It's just who goes next to him. I mean, it's going to be booed with horse. I think for transfers this summer, isn't it? We're going to have to bring in a couple of centre mids at this rate, even if it's only on loan, because we can't be going into next season with. This kind of debate over who's the worst in the centre midfield. Yeah, I mean, it's it reminds me like the season I got my first season ticket was 2004 5. And that back then we had a rate, no, not 4 5, the year before 3 4 when we finished 17th, 2000, oh, yeah. 2004. And Centre midfield was exactly then like it is now. We had about five or six centre midfielders and they were all terrible, like apart from Gravison who, and Carsley, who were good, but they weren't as good as they were going to be the next season when like Moise hit on his formula with Cahill and you know, the 4 1 4 1. But we had Tobias Lindorf, Alex Nayako, you know, like low, we had about five or six. Oh, we had Lee Le- Le- Ty and. Yeah, yeah, and we had Ginola. Five or six midfielders, centre midfielders, and the centre midfield was the problem every game. Like there was no combination that seemed to work, and obviously it did work when you put Kale in the mix with Gravison and Carsley. But that was the season after, so I'm hoping we get a similar thing in the summer that where you bring in one player, whoever that may be, one key midfielder, and the rest can sort of click around them because he's the sort of glue that brings it together. So it's not about numbers. We've got we we. Got three centre midfielders, senior centre midfielders, but it's Sigurdsson, Gomez, and Davies. So it's, it's Gomez. I think we just need to develop a bit more of a cohesion in the midfield because that could change everything. I know it's it's 
it's just Gabbaman, isn't it? It's like what what was if Gabbaman was fit, would we now be looking at him going, oh, I wish we had him all season. He's been playing well, or would he be like, oh, he's crap. We were all waiting for him. <laughs> it's terrible. But uh, it's you're gonna need they're gonna need to bring in at least a mid one midfielder in the summer, and if Gabbaman's injuries long term again, which it is, maybe get another one on loan. Definitely. But uh, obviously looking ahead to the Leicester game, what can we expect from Leicester? I mean, of course, it's hard to judge considering we haven't yet seen them play this game against Chelsea. But uh, uh, we've seen them, obviously, they beat us in November or December, whenever. But, like, since the return, it's been pretty fair to Midland from Leicester's performance-wise, I think. Yeah, they, they were they were the better team against Watford. I saw them play against Watford, and they were the better team. And the only you know they can see they were they were basically it was a similar thing where you know games we've played where you, they should have won and then the last second they, you know just went against them and the opposition snatched the draw out of the you know out of their hands. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sleeping on Leicester. I think they're a very good team. I, I think Jamie Vardy. I'm really worried about him as good as our back four has been. I think he might have the beating of him. Um, Keenan Holgate, even though Holgate's been playing well, but he's a very experienced, very clever, very fast striker. And Holgate and Keen are not fast. Holgate's quick, but you couldn't say he was fast when you see him chasing Willian in that Chelsea game a few months ago. Um, yeah. So I'm a bit worried because you know they're a very good team and the the usual, you know, sort of um, X factor of you know. Being at home, being at Goodison might not be there, so it's I'm I'm not banking on this one as like we'll win because we're at home. I'm a bit worried. I think I'd be I'd, I'd be quite happy with a draw. If I'm honest, because they are a very good team. I mean, it's also worth noting that I think Vardy's on a bit of a scoring drought. So you know what happens there. Well, nailed on, isn't it? But you know, we've got we've got quality as well. You know, like they they'll be you know if. The, the Leicester Blue, the Foxes Blues channel or whatever, like if that exists, they'll be sitting there doing a doing an, a podcast now, going, yeah, but Richarlison and Calvert Lewin are good. They might give our centre backs some trouble, you know. Like we we've got you know weapons that can do some damage to them as well. So it's uh, it's going to be you know an interesting game because they've it's all about the up front. I think it's Vardy and and um, Madison or Ianacho maybe it depends who goes up front with them versus. Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin who has a better game on the day Definitely I think the only downside for us compared to them is the midfield they have Tillemans and Ndidi and we have Davison a half fifth Andre Gomez Yeah pretty much I mean I'm a big fan of Tillemans and Ndidi I still knocks me sick that they got Tillemans I liked him years ago um, basically I, I heard about him because he was mates with Lukaku in the uh, in the Belgian squad so we started like yeah, I did this with Klassen as well. It's yeah. just with <laughs> different level of success, I suppose. Started watching them before they got ever ended up in the Premier League, with the idea that they might have signed for Everton. Obviously, Klassen did didn't work out. Tillemans never did, but he signed for Leicester and he's turned out to be good. So he's one of them like players of mine who I just think oh, if we don't, I was just desperate for us to get him. I think he's a great player and it's easy. Obviously, wasn't on to him before he went there, but it's easy. even better than him. He's a monster. Like another Adrissa Gay. It's like Adrissa Gay on steroids. Yeah, pretty much. He's, but uh, yeah, they're a very good team, but 
and the pressure's on them. They can't relax. Go and wear safer in our Champions League spots. Man United and Chelsea are both bearing down on them. So it'll there's, there's things to play for, and it'll be a big test if Everton can win this game or get a result. Then they are in the mix for the European places. But if we lose, then even with the games left to go, you'd probably think, you know what, it's more about making sure we finish as high as we can now. We're probably too far away from Europe. It's going to be a big, big indicator of what the rest of the games are going to be like for us this match, I think. So it's going to be quite a telling game, I think. It's going to be crucial to get a decent result in this game to see, and also a decent performance to maybe see where we can go from there. Obviously, we've got Tottenham, I think, after that. It's just not an easy game. That's at their new ground. And then we've got a few winnable games, but it's again, it, it decides whether or not we're going to actually have a shot at Europe this season now, I think, isn't it? I mean, it's astonishing, really. We're, we're still in the bottom half. But yeah, we're only... it's an outside. It's an outside shot of Europe, but because the games are so you know compact and tight together, because the table is also very tight. Like you know, there's four points between like you know three places sometimes. And like, are we only? I mean, games have been played now. I won't make anything about points, but we're not that far away from the European places. So a good week if you win two games and another team, you know. Drops draws and loses yeah. or, or whatever can suddenly shift because there's not as much time to correct it. So every week's gonna, I think this table's going to be vastly different to what it may have been if it hadn't, you know, we hadn't had the lockdown and come back because I, you know, every every time there's you know a round of games, the table changes. So the only thing you can sort of guarantee is who's in danger of relegation. It's going to be those you know five teams at the bottom. And obviously the the titles being decided now, everywhere else is up for grabs. So we know the bottom five, we know the top two, and that's it. Everywhere else is is available. That's it. Yeah, I think. So what does that mean? We're going to finish third, does it? Yeah, yeah, probably. I'd, yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> but I'm more likely to be fifteen. Would you have said? Would you have said Wolves are being a shout for third because they they look like they might be now? No, yeah, I've been very impressed with Wolves. I mean, I know. I think we've got it's, We've got them coming up as well later on. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, one. this is what I mean. Like, you know, you would never have said that, even though Wolves were playing all right. They got about 14 draws, but it's like they, you know, it can change that rapidly. You could end up with Leicester it not Leicester, sorry, um, could end up with Wolves in the Champions League and and Sheffield United in the bottom half. It's just so you know, so volatile, that sort of middle part of the table. Unfortunately, we're right in the midst of all that as well. So who knows? Like Bradley. I said, we, we could end up in the top four or we'd end up in the bottom six. Yeah, I mean, it'd be quite nice to... If we, if, we, if we don't get in Europe, it'd be quite nice to finish above Arsenal just to watch Arsenal on TV. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be more concerned about their Tottenham. Because Tottenham haven't exactly set the world like this season, but if they still finish above Arsenal after that, I'm sure they won't be pleased about that. Oh, probably not. But, um, yeah, I think... The, the top half the least we should be aiming for. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, you know, when you look at the... You can't make any guarantees about finishing above Spurs. You know, um, um, oh, what are they called? Wolves, Spurs, Wolves, all them teams. But you'd like to think we'd finish above Burnley and Palace, wouldn't you? Like, no disrespect to them. But with all, you know, things being even, with our run of games and their, you know, their size squad, you'd think, you know what? We've done something badly wrong if we finish outside this top ten when we've had you know this many games to get it right. 
I know it's it, it is concerning to still be in the bottom half this late into the season. That's not something we've actually seen very often, even when even under Allardyce, I think we were in the top half at this stage of the season. So you know, it's, it's quick quick to the table, mate. If if you if you can chalk a lot of that up to the previous manager since Ancelotti's come in, I'm sure we're third. If we oh, just no, went off, we are a third or fourth <laughs> under Ancelotti. But obviously, when he yeah, took over, we, we fourth, you're right. Yeah, it's it's Liverpool, City, Man United, us since Ancelotti came in. So it's easy to think how we bottom halves because you've got used to having Ancelotti now. It, yeah. it's, it's it wasn't that long ago we had Marco Silva and we were playing 15. awful. Yeah, so it's it, it, same with Tottenham and the same with Arsenal. Is you know you can't really if you change manager mid-season. I think that season's a write-off. You just need to do the best you can. Yeah, well, let's hope it's enough anyway, because, I mean, it's certainly going to be a... We need to start making some strides forward, and I know the squad's a bit limited, but, you know, the, we, we, we do need to see some evidence of it. And I think we have done... Well, certainly before the lockdown, we saw some of some signs of what could be, and the performances haven't been particularly bad since the restart, I don't think. I mean... I was a bit concerned first half against Norwich, but other than that, I think we've been okay considering the circumstances. But this mm-hmm. week, this week's rest could be crucial, couldn't it? I mean, like we've got to really make the most of that. Um, hopefully, we'll see the fitness tell in that respect that we've had that extra break. Is that's, I think that's going to be the telling factor if we're going to get a result against Leicester. That's going to be what decides, I think. Yeah, I do. But we'll uh, we'll see anyway. It's going to be interesting. I'm just I'm glad to be watching footy again. It's great, isn't it? Especially when you win matches. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, it felt it's felt like an age when we won that Norwich game. It's our first win for over four months. Painful, isn't it? Thank you. Right. Well, anyway, will we have a second win in four months against Leicester? We'll finish with our predictions. What you, what are you going to say for Everton versus Leicester? Gonna go for one one, be quite conservative. Fair play. I'm gonna go one nil to Everton. I'm gonna be optimistic. Uh but we're not a high score inside. Defence has been decent, so I'd say if we're gonna win, it's gonna be by a one goal margin, and it's gonna be most likely the lowest one goal margin it can be. So I'm gonna go for another one nil. Right. There you have it, guys. That's our predictions for Everton versus Leicester. I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. We've got more of a rest than they have, but you can never predict anything. I'm going to use that classic lockdown phrase again. And It's an unprecedented time, isn't it? <laughs> Mark your bingo cards, anyone who's... Uh, I know, who's it's lo- lockdown bingo, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so there you have it, guys. Everton versus Leicester's coming up on Wednesday. Right, so that's the end of the podcast. Of course, there's just the two of us to finish off tonight, so there'll be no quiz, unfortunately, but we've got to pick a song to finish it off. And on, uh, last, week, last week, Teddy picked a song. I can't even remember what he picked. Can you remember what you picked last week, Teddy? I think it was um, Give Me All Your Love by ZZ Top, which... You know, Toffee Blues John informed me I had picked before. I'm gonna to have to branch out away from the the um the rock songs because I I'm I'm not picking 
obscure album tracks no one knows. I'm picking like bangers that people will know if they like rock that is. So and I think I'm 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 consuming all the jukebox efforts. So I'll have to uh, I'll have to start branching out into different genres. Gonna have to broaden your horizons a bit, but I'm, thankfully it's that's not gonna be till next week because it's my turn to pick a song at the end of the podcast this week. And you know we were talking at the in the Leicester video there, weren't we, about the where can we go under Ancelotti and we need to improve. And fittingly enough, I'll go with the song that I was last listening to on Spotify, which is Yaz and the Plastic Population, The Only Way Is Up. It's pretty fitting, if you ask me. So, yeah, there you have yeah, it. Feels, feels a good fit. It's, 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 a, it's a very optimistic song, which is very rare. You probably don't hear many optimistic songs on Everton podcasts, but... There you go. We'll finish with Yaz and the only way is up. Thank you guys for tuning in on the Toffee Blues. We'll see you next time. No.